0: Today's daf is Dav Tzadi We are holding on Tzadi Hei Omid about a quarter of the way down, the two dots, uh, Rabbi Yehuda Omer. So we finished off yesterday. We had brought down a b'raise that had brought three opinions, the opinion of Meir, the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, and the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. Now, Rabbi Meir's opinion was that if a person stole a pregnant cow and it gave birth, or he stole a, uh, at you e-w-e a sheep laden with wool and then he sheared it so the halacha is that the thief even though technically the act that he has removed the fetus (coughs) excuse me that he has given the birth the fetus or that he the wool has been shorn should be considered to be a shinui. and then what should happen under that circumstance the owner of these items should be the thief and he should only have to pay the, uh, the, the original owner based on what it was prior to the birth and prior to the sheep being shorn. Nevertheless, Rav Merah learned that there was a penalty that was imposed on, this, on the thief, that the thief should not, uh, be, be, should not be rewarded for his avera and therefore, we require that he gives everything back. That was our marriage sheet, and we clarified that again. Uh, go- Rabbi, I'm, I'm sorry, the ewe wasn't also pregnant, correct? It was the, the, the cow, was, the was, cow was, 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 was... was laden with, with wool, nothing to do with pregnant. Just cool. wool, God, no, thank right. you. Now, the Rabbi Rab, Rab Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon seemed to say something very similar, and the one is gonna ask like, today, ask what is the difference? But both, according to Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon, the thief gets uh to keep the wool and gets to keep the uh the uh the fetus they the baby and he's required to pay for what the animal was prior to the birth or prior to it being shorn the wording the way rashi explains of yehuda was that you have to give back the animal because the shino is not in the animal. The shino is in the fetus, so the shino is in the wool. So you've got to give the animal back and then you have to pay the balance between what the animal was worth before it gave birth and what it was worth before you sheared it, that is additional, has to be added to the thief. Means the shinoi does work on the, sh- on the wool and the shino does work on the fetus. Now, Rabbi Yehuda, Yehuda so Omer, let's look at inside, because... Uh, be'ena, the animal returns as is, i.e., without the wool, without the fetus, and 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 we already explained back uh, earlier yesterday. And you have to add a financial component to that to make up for the loss that was incurred because you stole it. It did have a fetus and it did have the wool. And of Shimon Omer, that we. Uh, view it, we look at it as if this was an item that was appraised and placed within the, the value of what it was at the time of the actual theft and that is what ends up being paid, which really ostensibly comes out the same thing, that both Huda and Rav Shimon seem to be saying is, the shinui is Kona, the guy owns the wool, the guy owns the fetus, but he has to make good on what it was that he stole, which was a pregnant cow or a sheep that was laden with wool. And that's what goes back to the 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 nigzal. That's what goes back to the owner. So you want to ask so my what exactly is the difference then between them. So comes along Rabsvid and says the following. So Rabzvid is going to say something, but you have to find it, see exactly in the Rashis how it fits the wording of Al Gomorrah. But let me explain it outside and then we'll explain it inside. What Rab Zvid is going to say is like this is that in the brysa. We had two scenarios. There were two cases in the Brisa, and actually, uh, the first case, which is what we were discussing now, you are right. There actually is no machlokus between Yehuda and Rav Shimon. It's the machlokus it manifests itself in the second scenario. What was the first scenario? So, the first scenario was that when the thief stole the cow, it was already pregnant, or when the thief stole the uh, sheep. It already had the wool on it, and both Rab both Rab Shimon, and Rab Yehuda agree. In such a case, is the birthing of the uh, the birthing of the uh, of the fetus and the shearing of the wool is a shinoi in the fetus, is a shinoi in the wool, and therefore the thief does not have to give that back. But what he does have to pay back is what he's required to pay back. What this animal was? So the value of the of the cow and the and the you. At the time of this of, of the the it's stealing. At the time of when it was stolen, that's what has to be paid back. I mean, he's going to have to give back the animal plus add adds cash to it, right? Clear, right? Because the animal that he's giving back now no longer has the uh, has on it any. Uh, and he has has no longer has on it any wool, no longer is pregnant. So that's the piece that's gonna have to be added. All right? Now, so there we said you're right. There's no machlokas there between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shem and they both agree. But where they disagree is the following scenario. The next case in the brisa, right? Was like this. Is that what happens if he stole a cow that was not pregnant, And then he had one of his own animals impregnate this cow, or he stole a uh, a sheep that at the time did not have wool on it, and he fed the animal and he, he 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 created the right environment that now this animal is laden with wool. All right. Now here is where the machlok is between Rabbi Yehuda and Rab Shimon is going to manifest itself. How so? All right? So again, this is the way Rabs Zvid is explained. We're going to have two ways of explaining the Machlokas between Rav and Rab Shimon, but this is the way Rabs Zvid is going to explain it. So he says like this, the Machlokas is going to come, meaning everybody agrees the act of shearing the animal or the act of birthing the fetus is considered a, sh- a shinui, And therefore, the thief no longer has to give back the fetus, the thief no longer has to give back the wool. That there's no disagreement upon. And in the first case that we dealt with, since it had it there, it was on at the time, so at that time he would have to pay what it was worth before the shearing and before it was birthed. But what about in the next case? The next case, when you stole it, it wasn't pregnant. When you stole it, it had no wool. And now you went and you got the animal impregnated. You went and you created the environment that the animal now has grown the wool. The question is like this, where the machlokas is going to manifest itself if the thief is caught before he gets a chance to shear, before the animal gives birth, okay? At that moment in time, who does the fetus belong to? Who does the wool belong to? If it has not yet been removed from the, the, the owner, the, the original owner. So that's going to be the machlokas. That's going to come out being the machlokas, and we'll see both sides right now. Rabbi Yehuda Omer. Someone else says like this: I am Rav Zid. that's when the improvements are still al gabe gazela are still attached. To the stolen item come influencing me. That's where they argue with. Rabbi Yehuda Savar, the Nigzal Haveh. Rabbi Yehuda holds that one, that if they still attached, then they still consider it to be part of the owner's animal. And therefore, when the owner takes back the animal, he takes back his animals, my animal. So you got it pregnant. So you got wool on it. Still, so my animal, I take it back. Whereas Rab Shimon Savor, Rab Shimon holds that it's already considered to be a shinui, even though it's still attached. So now if it's already considered to be a shinui, even though it's still attached, therefore what? Therefore the thief will get to keep that. Therefore the thief can demand it back. Whether he gets paid out for it or he gets the actual item in it, that's something to discuss. But it, it's considered to be his even though it's still attached. Now, you look at the Arash explains how the wording between Yehuda and Rav Shimon, according to the way Rav Zvid is explaining, uh, explain it. But now at least we found the Machlokas. The Machlokas is not where you stole a pregnant cow or where you stole a cow that had the wool on it, that everybody agrees that the birthing or the shearing is a shino, and the thief gets to keep it and has to pay for what it was the moment before it gave birth, the moment before it was sheared, or right at the time when he stole it. Just enough for discussion right now. But the point is, the machlokas is, if it was stolen when it did not have the wool on it, it was stolen when the fetus was not there, and now it has it and it is still attached, that's going to be the Machlokas. According to Rabbi Yehuda, it still belongs to the owner. According to Rav Shimon it already belongs to the thief. That is the way Rav Zvid explains the Machlokas between of Yehuda and Rav Shimon. Comes along Rav Papa and he disagrees. Rav Papa says kula alma, all opinions. All opinions meaning the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda and Rav Shimon. They hold that shvarchal shal gabegzel de and have. They hold that these improvements, even if they were still attached to the animal, but they were not there at the time of the theft. It's obviously if they're there at the time of the theft and they're attached, they belong to the owner. But the point is here they were not attached at the time of the theft. So everybody agrees is that shva, sha'al gabe the have, it really should belong to the thief. But what is the argument over here? Vahacha, the, and, and the argument is as follows, so according to the opinion of Rabbi, Shem, Rabbi Yehuda, since it belongs to the thief, therefore even before he shears it, before it gives birth, it's considered his, and if he gets caught and it's still attached, then what's gonna be? It's black and white, what's gonna happen? The, thie- the owner can only claim the actual animal itself, but the fetus and the wool that is still attached, Already belong to the thief, and he's going to have to either be compensated for it or get it when it, uh, or, or get it later on. However, Rab Shimon disagrees with that. Rab Shimon says is that there is still a svara to say over here. Is that it still seems to be unfair? What's unfair? Why would you think it's unfair? Well, why should the thief get to keep it then i guess maybe i mean it's a shinoi so he keeps it but they're still unfair because he's utilizing the uh, the 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 property. He's, he's the principle of the of, the, of who we stole from to get a benefit right he shouldn't be able to get a benefit so from that. so therefore Rab, Rab Shimon seems to be also a takana. We had a takana in Rab Yehuda, we, uh, in, in Rab Meir before we had a takana. that was a penalty. He holds, we don't penalize him completely and make him take it away because he did put in the effort. So to say that he loses it completely it would be unfair because he took an animal that was not pregnant, he took an animal without sheep, and he put in his effort to make sure that that happens. But, on the other hand, it's not fair that he should keep it all. So he says that the Chachamim view it as if there was a business arrangement. There used to be, back in the day, and I guess even today, is that somebody has a sheep or someone has a cow would hire a person and that person was responsible to ensure that, the, thief, uh, that the, the animal would get pregnant and they would split the, 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 the divide, the improvements, or that the, the sheep would get wool and they would... Impre- so therefore he says that's how according to Rabbi Shimon, that's how it's divided. It's, and, 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 and depending on the locale, it was either a 50-50 split, it was... Uh, a a third, two thirds, or is a quarter, three quarters. And therefore that according to Rab Shimon is the Takana that happens over here too. Is to say the thief keeps it all, that's not appropriate, it would not be fair. How could he on the back of the owner go ahead and benefit to such an extent with the, uh, the owner getting anything? But if we look at it as a business transaction and therefore the thief gets as if he was hired. And what does he get? He gets, obviously the principal, the main animal goes back to the owner, and he gets to keep either, uh, uh, what does he keep? Either They argue whether or not we view the thief, we view the robber, as somebody was hired to do the improvements and whether he keeps a third, a quarter, a half, a third, or a quarter. That's how it's looked at. Mm-hmm. He says, and bottom line is, the fact that this is new improvement, this should be viewed as a shinoi, and if it's viewed as a shinoi, it inv- the, the robber gets it entirely. The fact that it doesn't seem so fair, that's the, ba- the halacha, we're following the mechanics of the law, and that's the mechanics of the law. Rav Shimon Sabar, Lamech Zoshlish ravia. yes, he does get something, but he doesn't get to keep the whole thing. What does he get? He keeps a, a, a half, a third, or a quarter, that's Shackle Goslin. The balance goes to the owner owner. Okay. All right. Tanan, let's take a look over here. Whether we we're going to try a challenge. So we had a machlokas between Rav Zvid, the two Amarim, Rav Zvid and Rav Papa. How to explain the machlokas between Rab Shimon and Rabbi uh, between Rabbi uh, Yehud and Rab Shimon? Because they seem to be saying something very similar. So one says like this. Let's look at our Mishnah. Tanan. We learned in our Mishnah. Parav, and is Abra The case we were just discussing. You stole a cow and the animal became impregnated while under the, 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 the possession of the thief. And the possession of the thief. Alright. Vejaldar, and then it gave birth. Rachel, you stole a, a ewe, a female sheep, and then, Vitana Etzlo, and while in the jurisdiction, while under the ownership, the control of the thief, it. Became laden with sheep. He went ahead. And he sheared it. So the Mishnah says. That this thief pays. What it was worth. At the time of the robbery. Okay. Now. Let's understand that. The implication over here is. He pays what it was worth. At the time of the robbery. And he gets to keep. He gets to keep the fetus and the wool. Why? The implication is because what happened? there was a huge change. What was the change? That became pregnant and it, had wool. No, not that it just became pregnant. That it gave birth. It said it gave birth. Or he sheared it. He gets to keep it. The implication is that God, if it, it would so still it, it would it, still yeah, be attached. Yeah, if it hadn't given birth and the wool was still attached, it would go back to the owner. That's what it implies. So Yoldah, uh, Lo yalda Hadra ve'ena, it goes back the way it is with the fetus to the owner. Now, how are you going to explain it? Now, Bishloma Rav Zvid, now Rav who learned that was actually the machlokas between Rabbi Yehuda and Rab Shimon, Right, child, gabe That when it's attached to to the to the actual stolen item, the uh, the nixal havi, Yehuda, that it still belongs to the owner because it's still attached. It's still considered his. So, how Then you can say the authorship of our Mishnah is going like the position of Rabbi Yehuda. Goes fine, goes on. But according to Rab Papa, he said no one disagrees. If it's still attached, it's already considered to be a Shinoi, and it's still considered a Shinoi, the owner can't get it back. The only own question is: does he get back some of it or does he get back none of it? But that he gets back all of it, nobody holds. That was the position of Rab Papa. So according to Rab Papa, the Ahmed Havi that really technically it all should belong to the thief. So Hamani, so then who is the author of the Mishnah? Low Reb Yehuda, it doesn't fit Reb Yehuda because according to Rabbi Yehuda the thief keeps it all and it doesn't go according to Reb Shimon because according to Reb Shimon the thief at least keeps either 50%, 25%, uh, 33 and a third or, 50, or 25% but, he, but the, the owner doesn't get it back all. So the Chorah, who is going to be the author of the Mishnah according to the position of Rab Papa? That's the question. So Amalach Rav Papa, so Papa would answer the following, that even though you're right, your inference seems to be a good inference, that it says, why does the uh, thief get to keep it? It's ma'ashma, because it says, because it gave birth already, or the, sh- the wool was shorn, which implied that if it was still attached, that what? That he wouldn't get it. That it would go back to the owner. He says, but that's not correct. Who Amalach, who uh, Adin, uh, that the same alacha will apply Lo Yalda, even if the birth had not taken place yet. The thief still would only have to pay what it was at the time when he stole it. And what was it at the time that he stole it? Without the wool, without the fetus, even so. Now, the only question is, well, if that's true, then why did it give an example of after the birth had taken place or after the animal had been sheared? It should have given even an example when it's still attached, if that's the same alocha. So what it says like this, so the only reason says, Rav Papa, that it gave the example where the animal had already been birthed or the animal had already been shorn is because I did a nasiv Reisha. Because remember, the first case of the Mishnah was when you stole it, that it it was already pregnant when you stole it. Or you stole it when it already had the sheep, it had the wool. Now there, there's no machlokas. In such a case, in such a case, the thief would only get to keep it if what? If he stole it and was already pregnant, or he stole it or already had the wool on it, so there the thief would only get to keep it after it gave birth. So since he wanted it wanted to be congruent, he wanted it wants to be symmetry. Since this first half of the Mishnah had to we talking a place after the birth, after the shearing, that's why the second half of the Mishnah talked about the same case. But actually, in the second half of the Mishnah, the thief would get to keep it, not only if it gave birth, or not only if it was shorn, but even if, it, 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 at the time he stole it, it wasn't there, and he, even though it's still attached now, he would still get to keep it, because that's considered to be a Shinud. So I did the nasiv Reisha, since it had to teach in the first part of the Mishnah, a case where it had to have already given birth, or it had to already be in the shearing, had to be place. so not so, safer. so, in the second half of the Mishnah, also, it gives the example of Yalda, it gives the example of where it was already born, but it really does not have to be discussing that case, and therefore, it could be going like both opinions, according to our Papa, that even when it's still attached, it would still belong to the thief, because that's considered to be a shinui. So, so, so what happens if the owner now comes along, and, the, and you impregnated my cow, and I take it back... So I, I told to... you, there'll be a discussion whether he, uh, he has to pay him out financially, or he can demand that uh, to, to, to keep the item, it's, to get the item itself, post-birth, post-shearing. That'll be, and it's up for discussion. Okay. Papa. The one says that, actually, Rav Papa's version is supported by another bryser. Because again, what did Rav Popa say the machlokas was? The machlokas was not while it's, uh, 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 that, that, that there's no machlokas while it's attached, whether or not the thief should have a right to take it. The only question is, can he take all of it? That was the machlokas. So Rav Tanakh was the Rav, Popa, Rav Shimon Omer, that in the sheet of Rav Shimon, the briser says, Ron ilhu shuma." we view it as if, at the time when he stole it, as if there was a transaction that it was assessed of what its value was, was appraised of what its value is, Shuma Etzlo, Bekesav financially, to determine with that, that the subsequent value, whether it will go Lamech whether he gets to keep 50%, a third, or 25%, which is mamish the way Rab Poppa explained the position of Rab Shimon, that to let him keep it all would not be fair, and to make him lose it all would not be fair either. Therefore, we view it as a transaction, even though they didn't agree to a transaction. But that's the takana how we make it, make it equitable, make it fair. All right, Amorab Ashi, ki Kahana. When I was at the, it was, when I was at the yeshiva of Rav Kahana, iboyelon. We have uh, we uh, we asked the following shayla. So we're learning Babakama Kama, and we asked the following shayla, which is a Shila that you just asked as well. According to Rab Shimon, that says lemechza leshlish uleravi. According to Rabbi Shimon, that it's viewed like a transaction, and that the uh, the thief is allowed to keep a percentage of the improvements. Right? Whether it be fifty percent, a third, or a quarter. Fine. And that's what he gets to keep the question is Kim when we remove him meaning when we catch him and now remove him uh, by giving by, by, by paying him for the improvements but is that a financial transaction means does the owner have a right to say listen okay we'll have it assessed Half the profit, 20, a third of the profit, 25%, this is what it is, out of pocket, I'm paying you, but I am taking the wool and I'm taking the fetus. So can you remove him financially? Oh Dilma, or maybe, we're looking at it as a transaction, and what can the thief demand that he wants? Actual, uh, he wants a percentage of the wool. He wants a percentage of the fetus itself. Or, may be Basra Shakil has a right to collect a portion of the meat of the calf that's now going to be birthed, right? So, that was the Shayla that we, when we were learning in the Yeshiva of Rav Kahana, that's a Shayla we raised. According to, uh, in the shita of. Uh, uh, in the sheet, Shimon. If this is Rav Shimon, the sheeta of Rav Papa. How do we how do we do, get, remove the fee from the picture? So it says like this: Upashtino and we resolved. We 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 uh poshed the miha de Nachman from a ruling that Rav Nachman said in the name of Shmuel. What was the ruling that Rav Nachman said in the name of Shmuel? He said shlosha There are three people that have a right to assess the improvements that they've made to the land. However, but the way we remove them is financially. Means they cannot demand the actual improvement of the land, but you can remove them by paying them off. And what are the three cases? The first case is Elohein, bechar uposhed. Father dies, leaves three properties, equal size, and he has two children. So let's say he has property A, property B, property C. Two sons, one is a Bechor, and one is a Pashat. Pashat means it's a non-Bachor. So what? how is that divided up? So let's say A and B are given to the Bechor, and property C is given to the portion. Reuven was the Bechor, he gets two pieces of land, two parcels, and Shimon was the non-Bechor, he gets one. Now that's stand up, that three gets double, that means Ruven gets double, what Shimon gets, that's fine. However, let's say they have not yet actually divided up the land. All right? That's the way it was allocated to be divided, but they did not yet take Possession of the physical possession of the land. Now the halacha is like this: Let's say the land now improves, produces as produce. Okay, the land is now producing produce. So the halacha is as follows: that the fact that a bechor gets twice the amount of what a non-bechor gets, that's only from the estate that was left by the father. But if they have not yet divided it up and new improvements or new assets enter into the estate posthumously after the death of the father, how is that divided? Equally. 50-50. Okay. So now let's go back to our case. Property A has a yield. Property B has a yield. Property C has a yield. A and B are supposed to belong to Ruvain. C is supposed to belong to Shimon. Let's assume the yield and all the properties were equal just to make it easy. So now, Ruvain, the Bechor, takes property A with the yield of A. Shimon takes property C with the yield of C. That's equal. Right. Now, what's going to happen with property B? Property B will belong to Ruvain. But what do you have to do with the yield of property B? The yield of property B has to be divided equally since it it came posthumously after the death of the father. Both Reuven and Shimon have a right to divide it 50-50. Okay? It doesn't all belong to uh, the the owner of the land, which is going to be Reuven. He can't say, well, then I also keep the yield. No, because since the estate was still intact when the yield came, it's divided 50-50. Now, let's just throw out some numbers. Let's say... The land itself was worth $100,000, okay? And the yield was worth $20,000. So now this property is worth $120,000, $100,000 of the land, plus $20,000 with the improvements. So now what'll happen is, the $100,000 of the property of the land will go to Ruben. The $20,000 of the yield will have to be divided 10,000 and 10,000. What happens If Shimon comes along and says listen, I would like the 10,000 paid from the actual property, give me a sliver of the property for worth $10,000 instead of paying me off $10,000. If there's been an improvement to the land of $20,000, don't give me $10,000 cash, I would like an actual sliver of that. Can he demand that or can he not demand that? The Allah is, he cannot. <laughs> he, cannot. he cannot. You cannot. You have a right to pay him. You have to make the assessment of how much he's owed and then you can remove him by paying cash. Okay? That's the first example. All right? That's the Bechor and the Poshan. Second example, bal Chov and Halokeach. Okay? Case is as follows, all right? A creditor comes to the person who owes him, to the debtor, who owes him money, and he says, listen, you owe me $100,000. And the guy says, I'm sorry, I have no money. He says, okay, we had you at the time of the, of the loan, you had a piece of property that was worth $100,000. I'll take that. So he says, the problem is, I sold it. Now, that's not a problem either. It's okay, because since the loan was secured by the property, what right does the creditor have? He can go see the property from the buyer. He can go take the property from the buyer. Now, the thing is... Or close. What's that? Or close. Well, what, what do you mean? Or, or, or he, no, but he can't closed uh, because he, he doesn't have a. It's a new buyer. The buyer paid up. The buyer paid cash. The guy, the cash was, was the guy blew the money in Vegas. It's not a, it's not a mortgage. He, he he paid up cash. Now he goes to the buyer, and the buyer has made improvements on the land. That the land now is not worth hundred thousand dollars. This land is worth one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. All right. So now, to take away the land, alright, that's what, this is, not a, this is not the same as we had yesterday where you took, where it was stolen property. Yesterday we learned when it's stolen property, the owner takes back the property, he doesn't care whether there's been improvements or not, because it's his property. Here we're not dealing with a guy that's his property. What's, what's the right that the creditor has to it? He has a lien on it. He has, it has a, because, a lien on it, but his lien, Lechore, oh. is only limited to how much? 100,000. 100,000. So the halacha is he can take back the lien now and he has to pay the, uh, the buyer. He still has to pay off the buyer for what? The 20,000 of improvement. What if the buyer says, don't pay me the money, I want $20,000 worth of the property itself to compensate me for the improvements? And the owner, the, and, and, and if, nah, nah, if the, the, the creditor says fine, then it's fine. But if the creditor says no, I don't wanna break up this piece of property. I want this property the way it is, not broken up into parcels. So who gets the right to make that call? The creditor. The creditor gets the right. And therefore he can say, you have to take the cash and I don't have to give you any part of the actual property itself. That's case number two. The assessment is made and the guy can be removed with cash. And the third case is similar, very similar to the first one, but it's it, to, the, to the second case, but it's not talking about a creditor with a, with, a, with a purchaser. We're talking about a creditor and orphans. The case was the creditor lent money to the orphan's father. So the father, let's say, had lent him $100,000 and the father at the time... Had a piece of property that was a hundred thousand dollars. The father dies now. The creditor comes back and wants to get paid his loan now. And he sees that that property now is in the hands of the estate, which is good because he has it's encumbered to him, he has a lien on it. But the property has now been, uh, it's now been improved and it now is worth $120,000. So what if the estate say, the orphans say, you know what, just take $100,000 worth of the land and leave us with $20,000. No, the creditor again has the right to say, I'm taking the land, that was the land that my lien was on it, the fact that it's been improved, I will pay you guys out of pocket $20,000 and I remove you from the claim. Everybody with me? now. So we see that's the halacha in these three cases. Now, why is this being brought down? Now, here we have a, a huge machlokas. We've shown him what the outcome of this gemara is. If you remember, Rab Ashi said that when we went to learn in the yeshiva Rav Kahana, we had a question. That according to Rab Shimon, that if the thief made improvements, the thief has a right to get either 50%, a third, or half of the improvements. Our question was, Can he demand it from the actual asset itself? Or does the owner have a right to pay him off in cash? Now, we just gave three cases over here where you see you have a right to remove the person with the claim in cash. He doesn't have a right to the asset itself. Now, the question is, okay, so now this is as he said, Rav Rav Kahana said, uh, Ravashi said, we use this ruling of Shmuel to answer up our case. Now, what is the answer? The Lord doesn't tell us so what is the answer. How did they use the ruling? What is the answer? So yeah, if we have a machlokas, Tozves and the rashbah Tozves says, well, it's similar to those three cases. Just as in those three cases, what? What do we see? The creditor can pay them off. As opposed to giving him a piece of the last. So therefore, here too, What's the ruling going to be? If the You can thing... pay him off. You're you complete... you, you don't have, have to give up the wall or the baby. Correct. That, the and that's off. how Toh that's exactly what Toh says. That's the outcome. Comes along the Raj, he says, I disagree with Tosvos. The, the the Gemara pointed out that Shmuel said in these three cases that's the outcome. Well, if that's the outcome in these three cases, then what? In other cases, it would not be. That's how he learns. Uh, that is how he learns the, the 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 thing. So therefore, okay, that that's that's the uh, the. Uh, That's, that's how, that's how, that's how he he learns. So actually a big machlok is how to paskin, Uh, all right? All right, let's go on. Um, Where are we holding it? Amalei Ravina Ravashi. Ravina asked a question uh, to Ravan Ashi based on the ruling that Shmuel just said, right? Shmuel just said as follows, is that when the creditor comes to the buyer, to get the land that he had, that he had, there was a shibud on it, that he had a shebut on that land, that he had a lien on that land, when he comes to take that land, so he has to compensate the buyer, uh, he has to compensate the lokeh of the buyer for what? For the improvements, right? That's what Shmuel said. So more ask the questions. Am be Nervashi. For me, Amar Shmuel. Did Shmuel really say that the creditor has to compensate the buyer for the improvements. We have another ruling of Shmuel that says that is in fact, the, when the creditor comes to take back the property, he takes the property back with the improvements. And the Chorah, he doesn't have to pay for the shvach. He doesn't have to pay for the improvements. Seems to be a contradiction in the ruling of Shmuel. Right? Everyone hear the contradiction? Yeah. All right. So Amar Alei, so said like Kasha, that's not difficult. He says like this. He says, we have to look at the produce that's now growing on the land to what level has it grown? Now, Toslo actually, even though in Rashi it's not so clear, but Tozwa actually asks it as a Kasha in Rashi, but Toswa says, there's actually three levels that we have to look at. You have to look at something that is, the fruit is considered to be fully ripe and no longer benefits from nurturing from the land. Now, what would you say if the improvements are at at such a level that the grain or the fruit have reached a point where they are so ripe that they no longer nurture from the land? In such a case, what would be the rule? That's a shinoid then entirely, right? That's, now that's off? Well, so again, I, I, I hear you're saying it in terms of Shino, but it's, it's more than that. It's no longer part of the actual land itself. So there's no, it's not really, even though it's attached, but the attachment means nothing. So in such a case, everybody would agree that the, uh, the creditor... Doesn't have to pay for it. Not, uh, not, 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 no, what do you mean he doesn't have to pay for it? The creditor wouldn't be allowed to take it. It belongs to the buyer. Now remember, what happened over here is the creditor had to lien on a property. The, uh, the debtor sold it to the buyer. The buyer now improved the property. Now, if the level of improvement is such as that the, the produce is no longer necessary, like, the, is there any question, let's say he cut the produce and the produce is piled up on the side. Is there any question that the for creditor? For sure, for sure that's the buyer's thing. Right. So the point that Tozer says that if the credit, if the, if the produce has reached a level where Mamish doesn't need the land anymore, that for sure the creditor can't take it Either because you can't say that's my land, all right? Number one, that's level number one. Level number three. Let's say that the produce is completely unripe, and if you would try to remove it right now, the produce would die. The produce would not ripen, would not be able to be edible. In such a case, there's no question either. What's the rule? That well, to it? it's, attached to the land. it's considered completely part of the land, and he gets to keep yeah. it right now. The sure. middle portion is that's called that's what us is called it's that the, the benefit that, that the produce has reached the shoulders means it's already grown, it's almost ripe. Almost ripe means that technically, if you picked it, you could still use it, but it will still gain from what. Our time on the left right, so he says like that, so therefore the ruling where Rav Nachman said in the name of Shmuel is that the that the creditor gets to take it, but he still has to compensate he's talking about where it's reached, the improvements have reached the shoulders, all right so therefore, in such a case he still because it is technically you could argue. It could have been picked without, so therefore it could be viewed somewhat belonging to the, uh, to the to the buyer. But on the other hand, since it still is benefiting from the the land, so that would make it somewhat looking as if it still belongs to the creditor. So therefore, the creditor can take it, but he has to pay out for it. But However, in Ravina's ruling, where Ravina brought down the name of Shmuel, that. You don't have to compensate. You take it without compensating. What's the case over there where it doesn't reach the shoulders? Shale magila is fine, which means what? It's still attached to the land and it's a load. It hasn't happened very much. And therefore, it's, considered, it's really considered really part and parcel of the land, which gives, therefore, who the full rights? The buyer. I mean, the creditor. The creditor, the, credit the, the full rights to take it. Okay. All right. Amalei, so Ravina say, I don't agree with that. He says, "Go look, look outside. Go look at the halachas today. Go to the, all the injunctions from courts and cases. And what do they do? You'll see that Shmuel allows he allows creditors to claim back land that is as they have a lien on it, even with pro, that reaches the shoulders, without having to compensate the." The buyer for that produce. So you, how do you make such a distinction, right? You understand what Ravina's pushback is? He says we don't see that in, in reality, we don't see that happening. We see that if a, if a creditor had a lien on a property, and even if the property was now, has improvements on it, and even if the improvements reach the shoulders, we allow the creditor to take back the property, and we don't see compensation being made. If then, uh, that'll be the problem of the, the buyer. We'll have to go back to the seller. But we don't see the creditor have to co- having to compensate for the produce, even when it reaches the shoulders. So Amale, So Rabbi, Rashi said, lo kasha. He says that that's not difficult. He says, let me explain to you the difference by the cases that you're looking at to the cases we're looking at. He says, the difference is as follows. The case that I am discussing is a situation where the loan was $100,000 and the original property was $100,000 and the improvement made it go up to $120,000. So in that case, if the creditor wants to take a property that now is worth $120,000 and it's reached the shoulders, the produce has reached the shoulders, he would not be allowed to take it unless what? He pays for the improvements. He pays for the improvements. The cases that you're talking about was that the loan was $120,000. It was a $120,000 loan. And the land itself was only worth 100 at the time. Now that the improvements were made, the improvements actually only bring it up to what? To what? The loan actually, what the creditor has a right to collect in such a case, since it's not fully ripe yet and it still needs the land, it still doesn't need the land, but it still benefits from the land, that allows the creditor to do what? take the whole thing including the improvements because the improvements are actually satisfying the actual amount of what the loan was in such a case you can take it without having to compensate the buyer so I had a question on that if the loan was 120 and the land originally was only worth 100 how could the loan be fully secured by land that wasn't worth the value of the loan I don't know good question maybe that's he's willing to give it to him even though that's all he had at the time okay alright uh, all right, all right. Let's go. it says like this. Simona says, that the case that, that you're talking about that's happening today is where the creditor had a claim for the amount of the land plus the improvements. And the case that I told you, Rav Nachman said in the Shmuel, that he has to pay for the improvements, had a loan by El Arah, that the total amount of the loan was only the value of the land. Without the improvements, then he has to kick in the amount, compensate the buyer for those improvements. All right. Now, says the word like this. We'll make it a little more technical over here. Amr so, Lei. Uh, so, uh, so Ravina uh, asks Ravashi as follows. There happens to be a machlokas in ksuvus. Machlokas in is as follows. That let's say you had a property that was mortgaged, okay? Our case we're dealing with right now. A, a creditor lends money to the debtor, mortgages a piece of property, the debtor goes and sells it to the buyer, okay? Now, time's up for the loan, The creditor comes to the debtor. The debtor does not have it. So what does the debtor, what does the creditor do? The creditor goes to... The buyer. The buyer and shows that he has a mortgage on this land. All right? This land is mortgaged to him and it has a a lien on it and therefore he wants to collect it. There's a machlokas in Masechah's Ksuvis is can the buyer pull out a wad of cash and say, what was the loan for? $100,000? $100, Here's $100,000 get lost. Or, what? What's Where's the other side? The actually have to go back, hey, or, can, the, can the lender seize the land? The lender says, I don't want your $100,000. I want that property. Now, obviously, what is the different perspectives? The different perspectives are that according to the one opinion, that if there's a default on the loan, we actually view as if the property now belongs to to the lender. And therefore, if it's as if it belongs to the lender, the buyer has no way of doing what? Keeping the land. Of buying him off. On the other hand, if you hold that the buyer can buy him off, then obviously how are we looking at the lien? Not secure. We we, I mean, it's secured, but we don't look at it that it automatically makes it as if it belongs to the lender. It's just, to the, to it's the, it's just it's an avenue of how he can be compensated, but it doesn't make it his. And if there's another avenue to be compensated, if the, bu- if the buyer is able to come up with cash, then the hurry has to take the cash, right? You hear both sides. You hear both sides? Okay. So comes along a Rav, Ravina to Ravashi and says like this, is that L'cholra, L'cholra, the The we're, we're saying now that if there's been improvements to the land, if there's improvements to the land, okay, so then if it, uh, it, it, if it adds up to, if it if it makes up the balance of what the actual amount of the loan is, that gives the lender the right to collect it without even compensation, right? That's what we're, That's what you're saying. Shmuel's pasquini. It was a hundred thousand dollar loan, but it was hundred twenty thousand dollar loan, and the land was only worth a hundred, and the improvements were an extra twenty thousand. Doesn't matter. The lender can collect it without even having to compensate the buyer. That's what we just said, right? Right. Right. So says Rav Ashi. says Ravina, I don't understand that. He says, that should only be true if you hold like the position that if the buyer wants to remove... The lender, with money, he's not able to. Because we view the property as if it belongs to the lender, so he cannot kick him off the property with money. He says that therefore, since it's considered to be like the lender's money, the improvements also are considered like whose land was improved, like the lender's land was improved, and therefore he doesn't have to pay for the the improvements. But if you hold like the other opinion, that if the lender, if, if the buyer has the money, what, right? And he can pay it off. Then the land, we don't look, then we don't look at the land as if what? And if it's under. If it's under and if, the and if we don't look right. at it as by the lenders, then what gives the lender the right to take the improvements without compensating the buyer? you have a question? Yeah. Okay. The only reason we'd say he has the right to the land without uh, taking the improvements is because it was equal to the amount of the loan. No, because it's actually his land. It's his land. We look at it as if it's land, but he's not looking at it as his land. He can't go ahead and take something. Let's say that. Let's say the buyer has a nice vase in his in his in his in his home. Can he go take the vase? No. 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 He only can take what's his. But if you don't view the land if it's his, what right does he have to take the improvement? Okay. <laughs> I'm, all right. I'm a lay. So, ha, Nijo, This is only acceptable. This only uh, makes sense lay that even if the buyer would have money, he cannot use the money to buy off the creditor. He cannot tell him, Leave, you can't take the land, take the money. Shopper, then what we're saying makes sense because the land is considered to be the lenders, therefore the compensation, the improvement is considered to be the, the lenders, and the lender doesn't have to compensate the buyer for it. Ella, Amr, but what about the other opinion? is lay zuzi that if the buyer does have the money, he can pay off the lender, lender cannot argue, and he can kick him off the land, and he doesn't have a right to take the property. So therefore, so then the buyer should be able to say to the lender, even if I don't have the money, let's say I don't have the money right now, but if I had the money, what would I be able to do? I could have kicked you off. So therefore, so now too, even if I don't have the money, I should still be able to stop you from taking what? The land. Not the land. Or the, or the produce, the produce. The, the improvements. You should not be able to take the, improvement. yeah, the improvements. Having therefore if you want to give me a parcel of land from it to be able to compensate me for my improvements, I accept. But if you're not going to compensate me for my improvements, you don't have a right to collect it. So, therefore, give me a parcel of the land, the shir shrach, which is equal to the improvements, but otherwise you can't take it. And therefore, if that's the case, and according to that opinion, how did Shmuel say that we do allow the lender to take the improvements without compensation? So Amalai Sarah Ashi answered is that Shmuel's case was talking about a different type of lien. It was known as an apoteki. What is an apoteki? Apoteki is pote kai. That this is, you've locked it in. Now, when you lock it in, that is ostensibly as if you're making that land belong to the, the lender. Land, the and therefore, the improvements in such a case actually. Would be the, le- would the It's like it's the lenders and if it comes up to be the value of the loan, he doesn't have to compensate the buyer for it. The buyer will have to go after the seller for it. Yeah, so he says he like this. It. That the debtor made the land into an apotheke. Apotoky is actually a Greek word, but it's a contraction. From here it will be. But I thought a was put on a char. Uh, a hemp bag, hemp bag. All right. All right, hempeg, or it can be a husband called a hempeg also. Anyway, the Moisei like all right, the Moisei like this. That he says that it will not, your payment will only come for this. Locking it in such a way makes it as if it's the lender's land, and in such a case, if the improvements, if it comes up to be the value of the actual loan, he does not have to compensate, the seller will have to compensate the buyer for it. Let's say a person stole an item, improved the item, and then sold it. Okay, we got the case. Guy stole it, improved it, and sold it. All right? Or, Gazal, he stole it, Ishbiach, he improved it, he died, and he bequeathed it to his Yorshim. All right? Now, the question is that the owner shows up. And the owner wants his item back, right? Can he take back his item even though it's been approved or can he not? Now Rashi gives two ways to understand this, Kamara, so we'll understand this in a moment. Ma'ashi what he improved he sold and what he improved he has bequeathed to his heirs, which means that the owner cannot take it back. So Raji says one of two shot him over here. Why not? So Raji says that it's either going, Rob is talking about the case, that it's going like the sheet of Rav Shimon. That even though you illegally are stole something, but when you improve it, when you improve it, we're not going to let the owner take the whole thing back. We're not going to let you keep it all either. What are we going to do? We're going to view it like a business dealing. And you get 50% of it, the 30%, 33% of it, whatever the, the local standard is, that's what it's referring to over here as well. And therefore, then when it says we keep, when it says that the buyer, the, the buyers or the, uh, or the uh, inheritors keep, it's talking about the percentage that we would have let the thief keep himself for having improved it. That's one Pshat Narashi. The other Pshat Raji says it's going back on... That, it, that this is the way Rabbi explained earlier on, Dafnun, uh, on Tzadik Gimel, that there was a Takana hachamim that when somebody improves something that they don't make him have to give it back because they're afraid it's going to stop him from being able to, from doing tshuva. Right. So in such a case, what did they just require? To give that pay the money or what it was when the time he stole it. So therefore, it's going with that takono. Since the thief himself would have owned it, he has a right to sell it, Either the percentage he owns, according to the sheet of Rab Shimon, or according to the takhana that Abayah put in play, that, that that said was being discussed. That's what it's referring to. Now, what what uh, what Rashi tries to explain over here? Why doesn't Rashi Rav explain that it's talking about like where you stole it and the animal became pregnant, or you stole it and it grows wool and it has wool, right? Why why don't why don't we say that? Because that would be the same outcome, right? What would be the outcome? We said if Yehuda holds that's considered a shinui, and said that's considered a shinui. Who owns it? The um, the uh, the uh, the uh, thief for the ball of, of bus. Well, who, who? Which one? It's the thief. Which one is it the, the thief? Thie- the thief owns it, and therefore the thief sells it. So he only owes the money of the actual value, and therefore, if he price. sells it, obviously, it's a good sale. You don't have to give it back. So he leaves where he's going. So Raji says that would be too push it. If it's talking about the kind of sheen, uh, the kind of improvement that is a clear cut shinui, right. then we don't need it. Then then it's a it's a non starter. We don't have to say that the, the buyer can keep it or the so, so, so it shop. must be talking about a kind of a shinui that is not considered to it's, it's talking about a kind of improvement that's not considered to be an inherent change in the item itself, so you can't rely on the fact it was a shino. So therefore, why doesn't the buyer have to give it back? Why doesn't the the, the the heir have to give it back? Either because it's talking about that transaction that we allow them to keep a certain percentage because they improved it, or because it's a to allow them to do tshuva. That is the, uh, that's the pshat. Now, boy rova. Right, everybody with me? Boy rova. He shpiyach What happens is if, let's say, the lokeach was the one that improved it, all right? Not the, uh, not the, the, the thief. The thief stole the item, the item wasn't the way it was, and then he sold it to a buyer, and the buyer improved it. In such a case, what's the halacha? Do we let the owner take it back as is? Or does the, the, the buyer have a right to say, well, I made improvements, I should be able to keep it. I'll pay off what the value is. So after Rav raised the Shailah, he clarified, he resolved it. He says, That when a person sells, A sells to B, he sells all the rights that he has. Now, just as we said, if the improvement happened by A, and then he sold it to B, B would be able to keep it because we wouldn't take away the improvements from A either. So therefore we let, so just as A has the rights to the improvements that he makes, when A sells to B, B also has the rights to the improvements that B put into it. The swara against that would have been is the takana is to help the thief. The takana is not necessarily to help the buyer. We want the thief to do tshuva, the buyer doesn't have to do tshuva. No, but the terats of that, whatever, but it doesn't matter. If the takana would have helped the thief then the thief sells to the buyer any rights the thief had. And what were the rights the thief had? There would have been improvements by the thief. He would be able to keep it. So therefore, now that the improvements are by the buyer, the buyer gets to keep it. So now what do you say? Do we say the owner can take it back? What do we say is yes, that? Well, the takana is not made to help the. He says, why would we want to make takanas for the sake of the Oivet gechoven to benefit the Oivet The takana is to help with tshuva, but that holds based on the takana to help to help with tshuva, not to help an Oivet gechoven. So the takana does not stay; in, is not in place, and the owner can take it away from the thief, even with the improvements. So, amale, you're right. He says, that's not the, that's for sure a problem. That, 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 that would not, that's partial. So what was the question? What's happened is that, let's say like this, is you stole it from a, you stole it, sold it to a thief, and then, and uh, the thief turned around then, and sold it to a, and sold it to a Yisroel. Now the question is, and he sold the improvements. So now what do you have? On one hand, you'd say that the improvements wouldn't have been there for the thief. So the improvements, he wouldn't have been able to keep it, so what he sold, so the the buyer should not be able to keep the improvements, right? So it says like this, so therefore, He so, so, since the, the benefits of the Yisroel coming from the, from the thief that sold it to him. And the, the thief wouldn't have been able to keep the improvements. So why would you think the Yisroel would be able to keep the improvements? No, the case is talking about you're going to gozel Yisroel. The first person who stole the first thief was a Jew. Now by a Jew, the Jew would have improved it. He would have been able to keep the improvements. Zavne Ovet He sold it to an Ovet Gechavim. And then the Ovet Gechavim turned around and sold it to another Jew. So therefore, and the Ovet Gachavim was the one that put in the improvements. So the Ovet Gechavim put in the improvements. And then that Ovet Gechavim went and sold it to a another Jew. So therefore, Jew one stole it from a and Jew one stole, stole it sold it to an Eivet Gechavim. Eivet Gechavim made the improvements. stole it to Jude too. The question is, the Eivet Gechavim we wouldn't have made the Takana for. So when he improved it, we would have taken away from him with the improvements. Right? However, now he sold it to a Yisroel. So the first, the first person who stole it would have been able to keep it. The last guy that has it is a Yisroel. The only problem is, the one who made the improvements in the middle... Is the Oved Kachavim? So what's the din over here? So therefore, so hadar mai mi Since initially it started off in the hands of a Jew, the, the thief, and it ended up in the hands of the Jew. So Avdi Archa Rabban that Takanah should be in play. Since there's an Eivik Chacham who actually made the improvements in the middle, loved the Rabbanu Takana, the Takana doesn't stay, and, the, and he would not be able, and, and we would be take away the improvements without compensation from the last guy. and that remains unresolved. All right, John, we'll stop over here.